What's going on, everybody? I'm AJ, and I'm going to break down UFC Fight Night, Ortega versus Korean Zombie in full. Uh, just thought of this off the cuff. I know I've been doing the main events for free lately, but for this particular card, I just had an idea that uh, came within me, if you will, to uh, just break the card down in full. So I uh, wanted to act on it, and uh, that's what I'm doing here for you all. So if this all goes well, I get some solid feedback and whatnot. Uh, potentially, I could do this in the future as well. But uh, yeah, while I had the card researched already, I know that there's not a whole lot of other podcasts coming out this early on in the week. So I thought I'd have it out there for you guys that want to get a head start. So let's get into it. Before doing so, I'd like to let you all know that if you would like to tail my bets for the event, uh, which I will not be uh, going over in this podcast, uh, you could do so at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets backslash premium hyphen subscription tab or MMAOddsBreaker.com on the premium pick sec section. My profile is AJ's Bets. It's the same logo that I've always had. Uh, or hack, even if you want to, you could uh, purchase them at the third-party tracking site that I use, BetMMA.Tips backslash AnthonyS364. I started adding the rationale for the betting breakdowns, written, uh, written breakdowns, if you will, uh, on that site. So if you just purchase the picks there, you could see the uh, my written rationale for each uh, pick there. I have three bets already posted, um, and on this podcast here, I'm just going to be going over each fight, just breaking them down prelims. They're going to be a bit more concise than the main card, but uh, I'm not going to be going over any like bets or betting advice. Again, that would warrant a subscription. Um, so, with that said, uh, I'll just talk about some like kind of general thoughts in this card. There are some like fighters, you know, making their UFC debuts. I had a you know dig on some like regional scene footage. Uh, there's fighters that just haven't fought that frequently and even fighters that are UFC experienced, uh, you know, fighters, they don't have a whole lot of UFC experience under their belt. You know, there's fighters that, you know, just have say one or two fights under their belt. So it's tough to tell um, exactly how they fare at a UFC level a long period of time. So it's a, not a trickier card to break down, but just a, a card where I had to, you know, dig uh, information in terms of like regional scene footage to get like a more clear read on these fighters um, and I realized that that means that when you're looking at regional scene footage, you're not getting the same read as how they would look inside of UFC's octagon, but we got to work with what we got. Um, and a lot of competitive uh, fights on the card for the betting odds, but there's also a lot of fights with very wide odds, very big favorites in some matchups here. So with that said, let's just talk about these break, uh, these matchups. First fight of the night for us, ZM taking on Jamie Malarkey. I do like Malarkey in the matchup. I do think he is the better wrestler and grappler of the two. Uh, for us, he seems to excel as a kickboxer, though in his fights he prefers to wrestle and grapple, which I thought was pretty interesting. He has that capability, though. I just don't think he's as good of a wrestler or grappler as Malarkey, even if you want to look at Frost's debut against Don Madge, who's, again, a guy who's solid on the ground, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, but not really a guy that's known for his wrestling. Madge largely controlled Frost in the clinch. Uh, the fight took place the majority of the way there, and uh, Madge was able to land a couple takedowns on Frost, uh, get some top control time, and pass the guard of Frost, and actually even mount him briefly. So um, I do think Malarkey could get the clinch position here. Frost just tends to back himself straight into the fence. Once in the clinch position, Malarkey should be able to either control him or take him down. Once in top position, Malarkey can pass the guard a bit, potentially just earn some top control time and win rounds. You know, Frost, I favor him on the feet. I just think he's the more fluid striker. Uh, again, the kickboxing background. Malarkey doesn't really have a, 
a kickboxing background, his striking is serviceable, but he's kind of like robotic and, and somewhat stiff in exchanges. He's very tough and shows a ton of heart like he showed in the Riddell fight. Uh, I wouldn't expect for us to, to knock him out. I don't think he's a huge knockout threat in this matchup, but uh, I do favor him on the feet nonetheless. But I do think that Malarkey will be able to uh, land some takedowns here, get some top control time, potentially pass the guard of Frost, and who knows, maybe even get a submission. Frost, I'm not exactly sold on his submission grappling. He's been submitted in a couple of his losses. I've also seen him, you know, in, in regional scene footage, like recent ones prior to his UFC debut, where he went on a win, but he was put in various submission attempts early on. Um, and, you know, because he leaves his neck out when going for takedowns and he's starting with, you know, rear naked chokes and stuff like that. So I will go with Malarkey as my choice. The next fight, Aid Nurmagomedov taking on Mark Strigel. Strigel is another gentleman just making his UFC debut. Um, he's been relatively inactive, uh, less active than Saeed. Saeed, I like him in the matchup. He's a massive favorite here. I just think that Strigel kind of obliges to the type of game that Saeed excels in. Strigel just wants to basically keep range, keep kicking range in a striker's battle and utilize some like low kicks. He doesn't particularly have the best hands. He doesn't have the best boxing defense, does Strigel. Um, for instance, just in his most recent fight that he fought, he was countered uh, and hurt with a big shot because he doesn't keep his hands particularly high and doesn't really move his head off the center line. So that's a concern in general, just seeing that on the regional scene. He's also like a, a densely muscled guy, so he's like somewhat stiff. I, I wouldn't say he's as fluid as Saeed. And also you got to worry about a guy's cardio as the fight progresses, especially because Saeed's a guy who who does work the body. I mean, heck, he even hurt, you know, Ramos with a body shot and finished the job there. So in a fight that should primarily, primarily be taking place at range, I definitely favor Saeed there. Just more varied of a striker, craftier, more threatening, just the much better uh, range fighter. And uh, with that said, I also think that side could control the wrestling and grappling here. If he would like to, he probably could land takedowns if he wants, potentially uh, even earn a stoppage on the ground. Not exactly sold on Mark's wrestling and grappling. He's looked a bit vulnerable there at times. He t tries to excel like from the school art he uh, head headlock position, but we typically don't see fighters like uh, excel in that, that sort of sequence in the UFC because all the fighter has to do on bottom is pop their head out and well, they got the other fighters back. Uh, you really only see guys like Alexei Olenek do it because he's just an ace on the ground. So I don't really trust Strigel's uh, cardio or his grappling or wrestling. And I just trust Saeed more, just very favorable stylistic match for him. Uh, much more UFC experienced, younger, uh, I think will be faster as well. And he's also more threatening and more technical. So Saeed is going to be my pick for the matchup. The next fight we have Maxim Grishin taking on Gazamarad Antigulov. I do like Grishin in the matchup. He is uh, one of the bigger favorites on the card. I know he's only got one fight in the UFC, but it's excusable because he fought up a weight class against Marcin Tybora. Uh, why did he fight up a weight class? It was on short notice at UFC 251. Uh, all that said, I do think he made a good account of himself there. And especially in this matchup, I like him because Gazamarad, just his game is just get a quick submission early. He's aggressive. He's definitely a very capable and strong wrestler, but if he doesn't get uh, the opposition out of there with a quick submission within a couple minutes or so, he tends to gas very badly and uh, lose. And that's just not uh, something I want to predict in terms of just, you know, analyzing a fight, especially when I think that uh, Grisham is, is definitely solid on the ground. He's, you know, very tough guy to submit, very experienced uh, gentleman coming from uh, the Russian regional scene and, you know, very accomplished there. He's fought high-level fighters, including Alexander Volkov, pre-UFC. Uh, just looks very defensively sound on the ground. Uh, his wrestling, not great. 
Uh, I've seen him taken down. I've seen him give up his back, like against Jordan Johnson, and then, of course, his debut against Hypera. But I do think that he's solid enough to avoid any kind of submission threat within the first two minutes of the round. Uh, Godzimrad, like I said, he is very dangerous early on, but it's not like he just effortlessly submits everybody. I mean, there's guys that have even been susceptible to getting submitted in the past that he hasn't even been able to submit, like uh, Iwan Kutalaba, right? Or even uh, Mikhail Olachechuk. You know, we saw uh, Ovin St. Preux submit Olachechuk, and we also saw Krut submit, submit him, but uh, Godzimrad couldn't even get him down because, well, he kind of just rushes at the opposition. He doesn't exactly close distance optimally. He could leave his chin exposed and countered. Um, and he doesn't exactly have the best durability. He's been knocked out more than once. Uh, he's been rocked. And like I said, the cardio is just a huge liability for him. So while I do think he could get Grisham down, uh, I just don't. I just think that if he can't get Grisham out of there within the first minute or two, he's just going to gas and Grisham's going to take over and, and probably get a stoppage there. So uh, I like Griffin Grisham in the matchup there. Young Jin Park taking on John Phillips. Um, Another fight where it's, you know, I understand the odds being in favor of Park. He is going to be the side I will ultimately take here. I just think that Phillips just doesn't have like a UFC level game. Like he's very threatening in terms of his hands. Uh, he's a solid technical striker, but his output is very low. He's just hunting for the KO for all 15 minutes. And even when he hurts fighters, he doesn't even follow up. I trust his, I don't trust his fight IQ. Like he dropped uh, Jack Martian, Marshman briefly, and it was very perplexing. Like he just bowed and just called him right back up. Like he had him rocked. He even dropped Kevin Holland uh, led him back up too. I mean, I guess somewhat understandable because Holland had a huge advantage on the ground, but still perplexing nonetheless when the guy, you had the guy hurt when, you know, the fight wasn't going well for you prior to then. Um, and it's just not a sustainable way to win. That's why we've only seen him win one fight in the UFC and it was against Amadowski, who basically just obliged to the exact type of fight that Phillips thrives in, a brawl. You know, if you just want to stand and trade with Phillips, Phillips does have a solid chin, good durability to his credit. Uh, he's got heavy hands and he's willing to throw them in the pocket and he could hurt anybody. But as long as Park plays it smart here, I do think that Park uh, is a bit faster. I think he's a bit sharper with his punches. He could also mix in some takedowns as well. Phillips is not a good defensive wrestler. He's been taken down by pretty much everybody in the UFC. Uh, Holland five times. Holland's not exactly uh, a great or I would say even good offensive wrestler. He was able to take him down five times and control him. Uh, same thing in the Charles Bird fight. He was taken down and immediately put into mounts. Um, and obviously, most recently, even the, though the guy's a stud uh, on the ground, Kamzat Chimaev took him down and finished the job there. So Phillips, that's always been his kryptonite, the defensive wrestling and grappling. Park, while he's not a good wrestler, he's kind of just okay. He's capable there. I do think he could get uh, Phillips to the ground, maybe even get a submission there. Um, and I do think he could have uh, the edge on the feet. He just throws at the much higher work rates. Again, I think he's, he'll be a bit faster, a bit sharper, um, and he's got the better footwork. And again, speed advantage as well. That should be a key compelling element there. You know, I just think that as long as he avoids the big punch from Phillips in the pocket, he should be able to win this fight. Just more paths to victory um, and just a much more uh, UFC level game, I'd say, of the two. So my pick there is going to be Park. Uh, Gillian Robertson taking on Pollyanna Batelio. Uh, Robertson over a two to one favorite here. I do like her in the matchup as well. Uh, what I really like about her is just she's improving fight to fight. She works closely with Dean Thomas. She's now a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu brown belts. Uh, she even competes when she's not in the octagon. She competes in grappling competition and she's definitely very capable she looks to get the fight to the ground her striking is basically a beats to an end it's improving but it's still um you know that's her game just get the fight to the ground look to pass guard in top position we we've seen time and time again what she could do she's a, a tko threat from from top position she could secure mounts uh or she could even get a submission she's a proficient scrambler um and i do think that if she gets in top position here on Batelio, uh she will be able to basically replicate what cynthia calvio did against Batelio, and that is get 
uh, submission. Batelio, I do think her takedown defense is overall solid, particularly against the fence, but I do think she could be taken down from a caught kick. Uh, that was evident in the Calvillo fight. Uh, Gillian here has shown that capability in the past. Like if you want to look at the Veronica Macedo fight, she can catch kicks and time them. Uh, Batelio throws a lot of them. She doesn't exactly set them up all the time. So uh, Gillian, um, I think that her and her and Dean or and whoever else she's working with uh, could see that on tape, catch a kick, uh, get in top position on the ground, secure it, just like Calvillo, uh, pass guard of Patelio in top position and work to get the submission. Uh, even the more concerning, the most concerning thing I would say uh, in the Patelio fight against Calvillo was that she just had a big no-no there and just gave up her back uh, so easily uh, trying to make her way back to the feet. And she gives up her back to Robertson, or even if she doesn't, I just think that Robertson's just going to get the stoppage here on the ground. Um, the thing that makes me nervous for G Gillian is I do favor Patelio on the feet. And I do still think of, you know, say the Macy Barber fight where, uh, Gillian wasn't really able to get going. She couldn't get the fight to the ground and she was kind of stuck at range. Uh, that would be how Patelio wins the fight. Like I said, her takedown defense, I wouldn't say is bad. Uh, she does have like a wrestling background. Her takedown defense certainly isn't bad. And she also trains at uh, Nova Uniao with uh, Caitlin Vieira, a camp that's notoriously had excellent takedown defense through the years. Um, so if she could keep the fight staying and potentially hurt uh, Gillian with a body shot, uh, she's known to hurt women with that in the past. She's the more threatening striker of the two. She could win the fight that way. However, I just think that Gillian more likely than not gets this fight to the ground where she'll have a big advantage. So a true striker versus grappler matchup where I'm going to lean with the grappler here to get it done. Uh, also more experienced of the two in terms of UFC competition. Uh, Mateus Gamrat and Garam uh, Kuteladze. So these two new gentlemen, uh, UFC debutants, they're actually very experienced though in terms of regional scene competition. Uh, you know, Mateus here, he comes in with a record of 17 and 0. He's, you know, very experienced. Obviously, he fought uh, UFC vet uh, uh, Norman Park on the regional scene three times, actually. Uh, his game looks solid. He excels as a striker, I think. He is also very good, uh, excellent, actually, in terms of uh, submission grappling. He is uh, credentialed in terms of ADCC, uh, was an invitational out there. He actually faced Gary Tonin in competition. So that kind of tells me with the high level that he's at, just very excellent. Uh, in terms of that, uh, but I don't exactly trust his wrestling. His wrestling, it's not good. It's, you know, kind of okay. Um, so, and he, he doesn't always look to go to the takedown, which is a concern, but on the feet, I actually do favor him. I think he's the more technical striker of the two. I think he's also the more defensively sound one as well and more durable. So while the two are on the feet, I think that Mateus can meth methodically kind of pick apart Garam over the course of three rounds. Garam's definitely a capable striker. He's got some uh, solid technical striking as well. Actually, some good technical striking, I'd say, with the, uh, definitely some serviceable footwork. And he's actually got the more pure punching power of the two. Uh, but ultimately, the equalizer here, if Mateus uh, is, is, doesn't feel like he's you know winning by a wide margin on the feet, he can take Garam down. I have seen Garam. Uh, while I don't think Mateus' uh, wrestling, offensive wrestling is great, I have seen Garam taken down uh, multiple times. His takedown defense, not good. It's it's okay. Uh, and on the ground, I have seen him get his back taken. Um, he has been submitted once in his career as well. It came earlier on. I think he's improving there, but I do think that, uh, you know, he definitely leaves some openings there in terms of the defensive grappling and wrestling. So Mateus uh, could win this fight on the ground. Maybe he could get a submission, hold top position, advanced position if he'd like, uh, and he could even win on the feet as well. Mateus is also the more prepared gentleman. Um, you know, this was actually like a, actually a wide variety of the iteration of this matchup. It was supposed to be Moicano versus Mustafaev, and then Moicano pulled out, and then uh, Mateus was uh, in, and then uh, Mustafaev was ruled out, and then um, uh, uh, Garam was ruled in. So Mateus has a, a couple more weeks to prepare 
in addition to uh, Garam's notification, and he's also been fighting more frequently. He's fought twice in 2020, has Mateus, uh, whereas Garam, it's been, uh, you know, about a year since we've last seen him fight. Mateus has been more active, and he's also got the more uh, notice for this fight as well. So in addition to it being a, a, a pretty favorable stylistic matchup for Mateus, he's also should be the more prepared general, gentleman um, and also more sharp of the two as well. And I also trust his cardio a bit more. Uh, a gentleman with five round championship level experience on the regional scene. So those are my thoughts there. And I think we are on the main card now. Yes, we are uh, to open the main card. We have James Krause taking on Claudio Silva, James Krause taking this fight on short notice. I'm not really factoring that in too much. We know James Krause is a gamer. He actually took his last fight against James, uh, excuse me, uh, Trevin Giles on very short notice there about a day's notice at UFC 247, actually fighting up at middleweight. Um, and so made a good account of himself. You could argue he even won that fight. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. What I am worried about is his takedown defense. Um, you know, Claudio Silva actually is not a bad wrestler. I, I don't think he's like great. He definitely tends to rush into the pocket and leaves his chin up. He's definitely very liable defensively on the feet. Uh, he's been rocked more than once, like against uh, Danny Roberts, I guess, most notably. I, I just don't trust his striking defense, but I do think that, uh, you know, Kraus doesn't exactly have like the most stopping power. He's definitely a very technical striker. He's, I definitely favor him on the feet. He's just more, a uh, varied striker as well, but I don't think that he'll have enough power to really threaten uh, and clip Silva and knock him out. So I do think that Silva, if he wants to, could close distance. Um, he's not like the best offensive wrestler, but he could catch, um, he could catch kids, kicks, take the opposition down from there. He could take you down from the body lock. Uh, he's shown some chain wrestling ability. Um, and Krause's takedown defense does concern me. Like I said, he's been taken down in a lot of fights, including just as recently as his last one uh, against Sergio Marais, where he was taken down and controlled there. Uh, arguably lost round one. And that's a concern because Marais, uh, just like Silva, not a great offensive wrestler, but he was still able to take him down and keep him there. I do think that Silva has much better cardio and uh, much better top control than Marais does. So that's actually a concern that I have for Krause in this matchup because he is, I'd say, the more overall complete fighter of the two. I just think that Silva should be able to land takedowns here. Maybe not submit Krause because Krause is a, a high-level black belt himself. Uh, but, you know, maybe get some grappling advances here or there, pass to half guard, get some top control time and win rounds. I just don't trust this Krause, Krause's uh, takedown defense enough to keep the fight standing where he will have the advantage, you know, uses very good straight punches, his calf kicks and things like that. So I actually am going to pick the underdog here, Silva, to win due to that uh, wrestling and top control threat. Um, though it is somewhat of a hesitant pick, though, because I don't, I just don't trust Silva on the feet. Again, he just leaves a lot of openings in terms of his defense. Um, he hasn't been knocked out. That's a fact. But like I said, I just he just leaves a lot of openings. It wouldn't be all that sh all that much of a shock to me if he gets knocked out in either this fight or you know even if he gets matched up with a guy like Danny Roberts again, um, that it happens. But uh, overall, I'm going to side here with Silva to win. Tom uh, Tomas Almeida taking on Jonathan Martinez. Something to note here: this fight is actually taking place at 145 pounds, which I think is noteworthy for both fighters. You know. Almeida, uh, you know, he's always been a very talented fighter, but the one huge concern that I have with him is the durability. You know, his striking defense has always been a bit liable. He's been very hittable in the pocket. And as a result, he's been hurt several times. One of the more interesting stats that I came across when researching this card is Almeida has been knocked down six times in eight UFC fights. You know, that's, you know, that's from the stat provider, UFCstats.com. I actually counted two knockdowns in the Brad Pickett fight, even though it only gave him one. But you get what I mean. He's been knocked down and hurt several times. Uh, maybe the you know move up an extra 10 pounds helps him, but I still have some hesitations there. In addition to that, um, 
He hasn't fought in, in over two years. Last time we saw him fight was at UFC 220 against Rob Font uh, in January of 2018. He is a gentleman who is very close to 30, so I have no doubt that he's probably sharpened up his game. Maybe the time off has helped him, you know, improve his defense, things like that. He does train with Charles Oliveira, though. I would like to, you know, see it inside the octagon before I make any kind of, you know, you know observations or guesses as to, you know, how exactly his game has sharpened up. Um, I just still have the same concerns I've always had about him. Again, he's just very hittable in the pocket. He just gets hurt so often. He's been knocked out, not just by Garbrandt, but uh, Font as well. You know, like I said, he was knocked down a couple times by Jimmy Rivera. And one of the knockdowns that Rivera got him with, it was just a left hand that it, it barely, it didn't look like it had much torque behind it. And uh, it's just a huge concern. And on the Martinez side, uh, I think the featherweight uh, move up for him helps him because, well, one, it's on short notice. Uh, he's actually stepping in here for Alejandro Perez. But two, he actually missed weight in his last fight against Frankie Sines. Um, so potentially the move up in weight helps him as well. Uh, you know, maybe not, he hasn't shown like a, a durability issue, but maybe it helps a little bit because uh, he has been rocked in some fights like against Sukmata um, and even Lou, uh, maybe help a little bit with the durability, maybe even help with his cardio and just overall, you know, preparation. He doesn't have to walk into the cage with, you know, potentially thinking about missing weight on the scale or anything like that. Um, though it didn't really seem to affect him in his last fight because he went out there and just looked excellent against signs. But my main concern here for Almeida is, again, that, that striking defense and durability. And while Martinez hasn't exactly shown to be like a, a huge power puncher in the UFC, he does have the more varied striking of the two. He has a very nice step and knee. We saw him knock out uh, Lou with that, even Frankie Signs. He's got a very nice body kick, uh, a head kick as well. He can work the body of Almeida, uh, cause his hands to drop and, and, you know, lead to more head strike opportunities uh, against Almeida there. So... It's just a matchup where, like, yeah, Almeida's very talented. He's actually definitely fought the much higher level of opposition. But, you know, Martinez, with his more varied tools, uh, better durability, uh, and just been much more active since the last time we've seen Almeida fight, you know, I'm not exactly too worried about the Martinez short notice because we just saw him fight in August, um, and he's been training uh, very, very hard at Factory X Muay Thai, and he's getting better fight to fight. So this is actually another fight where I'm going to side with the underdog here, Martinez. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out, but I'm looking forward to that one. That should be fun. Jim Crute taking on Modestus Bukowskis. I like Crute in the matchup. He is another one of the bigger favorites on the card. Uh, Crute, in addition to just you know being more UFC experience, I would say he's just fought the much higher level of the opposition here. Uh, you know, having wins over Sam Elvey, uh, Paul Craig, and um, most recently here uh, Mikel Olachechuk, uh, aforementioned before. And, you know, like this is just a match where I do think Modeskis is, is a very talented striker. I actually favor him on the feet in terms of just pure technical striking at range. He's got some very nice low kicks he could throw in combination. But I perceive him more as like a technician than a than a power puncher. Sure, he could knock out Crute. They're 205-pound guys or, or fight at the weight class, rather. And each guy at the weight class carried, carries a certain amount of power, just like at heavyweight. Uh, but I still do perceive him as like a guy that's more of like a, a TKO guy, like a guy that will kind of just wear on you over the course of, uh, of three rounds or however long the fight goes. And a lot of his TKO stoppages are due to the opposition gassing. And while that's also possible here, uh, part of the reason why the opposition is gassing in his previous fights is they're having a lot of success taking him down, Modestus, and, and keeping him there and often passing the guard and, and threatening him with various chokes. You know, that's a huge concern that I have. That was even a concern I had with him going into his debut against Michaelitis. It just never materialized where the fight hit the ground. But you just see it time and time again. He's actually often losing fights uh, prior to coming to the UFC, like in some of his Cage Warriors fights. He's getting taken down, mounted. Uh, he's losing 
but the opposition gets tired by not being able to get him out of there. And he's very tough and he's able to just put on the finishing touches by being the more effective striker and being the fresher fighter. And so, like I said before, I do think he's the more effective striker than crude at range, but I actually think that a more a standing knockout is more likely to materialize from crude than Modestus. Crude's got heavy hands. Well, I don't think he's the more technical striker of the two. I've seen Modestus rocked more than once. He's also been knocked out cold. Uh, I don't exactly trust his footwork. He tends to back up straight into the fence and lead to many clinch opportunities where he's been controlled in the clinch. So if Crute wants to just play the aggressor like he typically does and force him back against the fence and maybe even hurt him along the way, he could do that. From the clinch position, I do think that Crute has good enough wrestling to get the fight to the ground. He's the much better wrestler and grappler of the two in the matchup. Uh, Crute is a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. We saw that put on display in his last fight. And even the fight before against Serkinov, he was having some some success there prior to Serkinov reversing him. Uh, but he won't have to worry about that in this matchup because Modestus just isn't as nearly as good of a grappler as he is. Once Crute gets in top position on the ground, I just think he'll be able to dominate. I think he can pass the guard of Modestus and potentially get a stoppage here, whether it's by TKO or submission. Like I said, just better wrestler, better grappler. And while I do favor Modestus on the feet in terms of technical proficiencies, I just think that Crute could, you know, even have some success himself and potentially earn a knockout. So it's one of these fights where like Crute will look like a massive favorite, potentially an even bigger favorite. Uh, than he's currently lined at if he gets his fight to the ground or even went on the feet. Though I do slightly lean with Modestus on the feet, just being the more technical striker, a bit more ferried, and uh, a good combination striker overall. So it's a true striker versus grappler matchup here. I'm going to side with Jim Crute to get the W. Caitlin Jukagian taking on Jessica Andrade. This is an interesting fight because Caitlin Jukagian, a, a woman who had fought at bantamweight in the past, and Andrade fought, uh, well, she did fight at bantamweight as well, way early on in her career. Uh, but more recently, strawweight. Now Andrade is making the move up to women's flyweight. I do think it's a, a solid move for her in general. Potentially her ceiling's a bit higher, though this could potentially cause, um, you know, interesting stylistic trouble for her because Kaylin Jukagan is going to be much longer than her, eight inches taller, but also has a uh, six-inch reach advantage. And we've seen Kaylin has very good footwork and movement. She likes to, you know, use her very good footwork and movement to stick and move, basically. She has very good straight punches as well. She's a more technical striker of the two. I do think she could have a lot of success at range because Andrade, her game is just basically, um, you know, walk you down, not exactly have the best footwork, though it did look a lot better against Rose that last time out and also her head movement, but just uh, walk you down, get in the pocket. And in the pocket, she, we've seen she's got very heavy hands. She's just nonstop with her uh, aggression, her combination. She'll just wing hooks. She's very threatening there. Um, or even if she gets in the gets up close in the pocket, she could uh, take women down. And I do think that Andrade is the better wrestler of the two. My issue, though, is, uh, one, I do think that she could take Caitlin down, but once she gets Caitlin on the ground, I don't trust Andrade's top control. It's not exactly great. Uh, like, she take she took down Tisha Torres several times, uh, couldn't really control her, even secured mount, uh, but Torres was able to work her way up, back up to the feet. Um, that's a concern. We've also seen it. Uh, kind of shaky in other fights, like against Angela Hill. Um, and Caitlin is, certainly does not have bad get-ups by any means, and she's also a high-level black belt herself. Um, so on the ground, I think that Andrade could land takedowns, but I don't exactly see her doing a whole lot from top position. I think that Caitlin could probably uh, avoid the damage. Again, she trains under Hennessel Gracie, a, a foundation that I think is, is excellent, um, and, and probably make her way get back up to the feet within about 30 mi minutes or so. Uh, but don't get me wrong, Andrade can land those takedowns. And at range, again, I think that it's going to vastly favor Chikagan just using her length, uh, just got the higher work rate at range. Um, she could definitely use her superior footwork and movement to stick and move. Uh, but in the pocket, I still I still favor Andrade. If she gets up close, she just has a higher work rate um, in the pocket. She just hits harder. So 
the pocket exchanges will favor Andrade. The wrestling exchanges will favor Andrade. She could get some top control, though. I'm not exactly sold on her just taking down Chikagan and just controlling her for the rest of the round. Um, so it's a fight where I think it's based on ranges, ranges, you know, Caitlin at, you know, kicking range that should vastly favor her with the more varied attack. Uh, but in the pocket and in terms of like the wrestling, uh, those exchanges will favor Andrade. So just a bit more ways to win. I'm going to slightly favor Andrade here to get the W though. It is a more competitive fight than I think people are giving it credit for. Um, coming event, uh, Cyril gone taking on Ante Deliha. Um, and I'm actually, by the way, I'm going off the order ESPN.com at the time I'm recording this. So if the if, if it gets moved around, uh, apologies. But this is what I got to work with at the time I'm recording this. Uh, Cyril Gan taking on Ante Deliha. So this is, I think, personally, Cyril Gan's uh, toughest test in the UFC thus far. It's an unfamiliar challenge for him. He's looked excellent. Don't get me wrong. I'm sold on him. And ultimately, I'm going to be picking him to win the matchup. But uh, why it's different than, say, his previous matchups is he has Ante here who is is vastly more experienced in terms of professional mixed martial arts 20 professional fights whereas Cyril Gan only has six don't get me don't get me wrong Cyril has looked excellent uh he's a very good technical striker he's very fast and athletic very good at moving in and out of the pocket he's more of like a pot shotter uh than like a, a pure like combination striker if you will he just is very good at sticking and moving landing on you so you can't land on him uh, he's just very good at moving in and out of the pocket he's shown some pop in his hands though he seems to be more of a point fighter he definitely has shown some submission grappling chops as well. Uh, two out of his three wins in the UFC are by submission. Uh, I think his wrestling is overall solid, though, again, it just hasn't been attested by a guy like Ante yet. I do think that Ante actually has the best wrestling that Cyril has faced in the UFC thus far by a wide margin. Uh, Ante, while I don't favor him on the feet, I do think that Cyril actually has a, a wide advantage just in terms of just pure striking and athleticism. Ante actually has some solid technical strikes. Uh, he could utilize straight punches. He mainly wants to get the fight in the clinch and take the fight to the ground. Now, this is kind of like a guess fight because we don't exactly know how Cyril Gant's takedown defense is like. Maybe it's fine. Again, I wouldn't expect it to be horrendous, but, I mean, he was kind of taken down by Pessoa there from the clinch, but he reversed Pessoa because he's just a lot more athletic and stronger than him. He was able to get a top position and eventually lead to the submission. So that's basically the only evidence that we have to work with uh, of Cyril's takedown defense in the UFC, and he was kind of thrown down there. So I'm not ready to say his takedown defense is bad. That's what we got to work with. Ante, I do think his wrestling is solid. I mean, he works with Alexander Rakic, who we've seen just kind of been on a tear lately. Well, I know he's coming off a swift decision, lost two fights to go to Vulcan, but you get what I mean. He's been very, very good in the, in the UFC in terms of like resume and stuff like that. So he trains with high-level training partners. Uh, he's very experienced, and he's going to be posing an unfamiliar threat to Cyril that he hasn't faced before. Um, I do ultimately side with Cyril. I'm just very sold on him in the prospect uh, as a prospect. I do think that one day he can be champion. Um, I would like to see more of his takedown defense and grappling though. I'm not exactly sure where it's at. It looks, it looks solid from what we've seen. I, I'd say it's looked good, not, not necessarily great, uh, but good from what we've seen so far. I think that this test against Ante will, will tell us uh, exactly how good his takedown defense is like, hopefully, unless if he catches them in like one of the opening exchanges and we don't even get to see a, a takedown attempt shot on him here. So it's a true, I think, striker versus uh, wrestler grappler matchup here uh, where Ante will look to take the fight to the ground. Like I said, I do think that his wrestling is overall good. And he's more experienced. Uh, we'll have to see. It's kind of just an unknown fight. Ultimately, I'm going to lean with Cyril Gan to get the job done um, and can you continue his momentum. And again, I think we can see him be uh, the champion one day in this uh, in the UFC. I do think that the guy is that talented, though. He's still, you know, relatively green, you know. Green in terms of like experience, no doubt about it. His skill set has looked tremendous, but you know, only six professional fights. Let's see how um, 
let's see how he develops. I do think that the ceiling is very high. We could see him get even better, which is, which is crazy to think about because the guys already look tremendous. So uh, the pick there is Cyril Gahn. Don't get me wrong, but um, this is an unfamiliar test for him. Lastly, but certainly not least, we have the main events between Brian Ortega taking on Chan Sung Jung. Um, I do think that I'm, while I'm ultimately going to side with Jung here, I do think that Ortega's, uh, you know, chances of winning are kind of being uh, a little bit undervalued here. I do think he can make this fight very competitive. You know, Ortega kind of has the reputation of him just getting uh, hits a lot. And if you look at like the, the numbers, like the UFC stat provider site, like it does reflect that though. It's kind of like he has good and, you know, not so good take uh, striking defense in some exchanges. It depends on, you know, what, what aspect, what phase of a particular fight you're looking at, because there are periods of time where his head movement looks very good. He's doing a very good job of moving in and out of the pocket and, and showing fast hands and fast combination striking and, and showing a good shoulder roll and just rolling with the punches just excellently. But then there's other times where he's getting tagged up repeatedly. We saw that in the fight against Max Holloway. Uh, we even saw that to some extent against uh, Hanato Moikano as well. Um, he can be tagged up by straight punches and particularly overhand rights, which is important because Chan Sung Jung, that's how he got a knockout against Hanato Moikano. He definitely has some power in that overhand right. I mean, even though he didn't get a knockout over Yair Rodriguez, he did hurt Yair there a couple of times, uh, cause him to stagger back against the fence uh, in round four, even uh, cause him to take a knee there in round one. Uh, he's got enough power that even though Ortega has shown to be largely very durable, uh, that if he lands hard and clean with one of those overhand rights, we've seen he's got enough power to hurt pretty much anybody in this weight class. So Ortega will have to be careful. He's another guy, though, like like Almeida that I mentioned earlier in the sense that, you know, he's approaching 30. And I do think that, you know, this time off that he's taken away could potentially help him. Um, just a guy that, you know, that loss against Holloway could have really uh, been a wake up call in terms of, you know, he's already shown to be a great fighter, but, you know, potentially he could get even better, uh, more dangerous on the feet, more potentially even more dangerous on the ground, scared to think about because the guy's already arguably the most threatening guy on the ground with his high-level black belt um, and guillotine choke. Um, so I do think that we could potentially see an improved version of Brian Ortega. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think that the short note or the the layoff here is a concern with Ortega. Again, not fighting in almost two years. Last time we saw him fight was December 2018. Is a concern, no doubt about it. Um, again, it could be looked at as a good thing, you know, Potentially, he tightens up some things in his game, particularly like his striking defense and even his wrestling um, that I'm still not exactly sold on offensively or defensively um, in a fight that should be won or lost on the feet. I do think it'll be very competitive. Like I said, I, I do think that Ortega is a is an overall very good boxer. Uh, he's got fast hands. He's he's shown some pop in his hands. I don't I think Jung has more punching power of the two, but like, you know, it wouldn't be all that uh, impossible for him to maybe hurt Jung with something. He's shown some pop in his hands. Jung, I just think, is a bit more. Uh, better at like range management again, more punching power of the two. Um, and I do think he will be the fighter um, advancing more, pressuring a bit more. Um, so that combined with you know his just more activity and the momentum that he's on, I'm going to ultimately side with Jung. But don't get me wrong, Ortega is is certainly live to win this spot. Uh, wouldn't be all that surprised even if he doesn't uh, get a submission. You know, he could win the fight on the feet. You know, it's not one of those things where because uh, Ortega's had this reputation at the reputation in the past where he's losing some fights early on um, and he's able to get a, a stoppage out of nowhere. Um, you know, the Clay Guida fight comes to mind. Um, you know, even the Hanato Moikano fight, you could argue he was losing up until the guillotine choke, but this is a fight where um, I do think the striking could be very competitive here. Again, I'm in slide with Jung um, and I do think that the wrestling, uh, the, the takedown defensive Jung should be good enough to keep the fight standing. 
Um, I do think that it could be just a, a competitive fight where we may see a knockout either way. Um, I think it would more likely come from Jung, and I just like Jung a little bit more in the matchup. But uh, like I said, don't get me wrong. I'd like to, to stress this, I do think that uh, Ortega's chances here are being a little bit uh, undervalued here, uh, according to the you know the the public perception of this whole fight. So that'll do it. Yeah, recap this uh, in rather quick fashion, but or not recap went went over this in rather quick fashion. Um, yeah, like I said off the top, I'm going to consider doing this again in the future. There's like some. So good feedback here. Feel free to give your, your thoughts if you'd like. Uh, leave a comment or a review or, or a star, whatever whatever you think is is, is necessary, if at all. Um, and yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in and listening to me. Uh, like I said off the top, if you'd like to tell my bets for the event, which I did not go over here, um, or in the betting breakdowns as well, that could be done at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets on the backslash premium hyphen subscription tab. Also, MMAOddsBreaker.com. AJ's bets is my profile. And like I said, even before bet MMA.tips, the third party tracking site that I use to track my bets. So everything is, is all there, fully transparent. Uh, you could purchase my picks there as well. Uh, actually I'm going on a, a lot of discounts here. Have 50% off the annual subscription um, and also discounts and all the <clears throat> other respective subscription rates, rates as well. So I don't know how long I'm going to have the, the reduced rate for all these packages, but right now, uh, as of this event for the foreseeable future, that's going to be how it is. And just something I'd like to mention before signing off. Um, if you do happen to subscribe, I would just like to pass along that uh, this is a, a long-term game. I, I view it as a long-term game. Yes, I do try to uh, win every single bet that I place, but you know, that's not always the case. I, I realize that, uh, you know, to be, you know, solid at this, you know, have solid longevity and, and growth and, and learn from the, the mistakes uh, that are made along the way or just, you know, misreads and things like that. It needs to be a, a long-term approach, not a short-term approach. Like quick wins uh, certainly do happen, but uh, my focus is, is on the long game here. Um, and I think that that um, is the, you know, the approach that a lot of people take in terms of, you know, wanting to be in this for uh, the, the foreseeable future, because, you know, it's it's nice to get a quick win or, or bink a, a GPP winning lineup on, say, DraftKings or something like that. But uh we have so much fun by just uh, learning the game and mastering it uh, over the course of time. And the only way to do that is, you know, through experience, uh, through dialing in on what we want to do um, and, and just gaining knowledge along the way. So again, long-term game, that's how I see it. And uh, yeah, that's the last message I would like to communicate before signing off. I wish you all well, and thank you for tuning in.